I'm a travel influencer from the south side of Chicago. Worldwide, Nate. Now I've traveled from Chicago, Chicago to, to the Congo, Congo, visiting over 60 countries across six continents. Who that? Welcome to Escape with Nate, the, the podcast, podcast that travels. United and American Airlines now require passengers to wear face masks on flights and passengers who refuse will be banned from flying the carrier again. That is the new normal. Welcome to Escape with Nate, the podcast that travels. Joining me today will be the talented TV writer and producer, Talisha Rags. I'm your host, Nate Fluellen. Let's travel the world together. Come on, Escape with Nate. Your attention, please. Flight 105 to New Orleans is now boarding. I am thrilled to have on the show today a TV industry veteran, a writer and producer who has worked on NCIS New Orleans, The Originals, Switched at Birth, and Saving Grace, just to name a few. Welcome to the show, Talisha Rags. Hello, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. I am really pleased to be here. <laughs> this is the podcast that travels, and, mm -hmm. and I know you are a writer extraordinaire. So has any of your travel experiences inspired any of the productions that you have worked on? Oh, certainly. Yes. In fact, I had never actually been to New Orleans when I got my job on the originals. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna write about vampires in New Orleans, perhaps I should know about New Orleans. Um, and uh, so I went, had a fantastic time. One of the things that I did that is very popular there is taking the walking tours, which are incredible. They have all kinds of walking tours. They're about the history of the city. They're through the French Quarter. They're like, uh, they have like pub crawl walking tours. Uh, they're a lot of fun. You find out a lot about the city in a short period of time. Uh, you get to see a lot of uh, notable landmarks and you get to hear great stories about people who have passed through the city in the 300 years that has been here. Oh, because also, too, there's actually a very big history of, believe it or not, vampirism in New Orleans. I know the originals is about vampires, the original vampires, and it's set in New Orleans. Well, some of the walking tours are on vampires uh, because there are, New Orleans is such a crazy, Whoa. crazy town. I mean, it's so interesting. It's a, it's a small town with... Big town energy. Yeah, a lot I of say, culture. <laughs> a lot of culture. A lot of culture and a lot of um, mixed culture. Because what a lot of people don't know is uh, before the Louisiana Purchase, the slavery that uh, was going on in New Orleans was not the chattel slavery that we know about. It was more like indentured servitude where because it's either Spanish or French law that was the law of the land or whatnot at the time. And so because of that, you had to treat the slaves a certain way. So that meant that if the slaves work on weekends, the slaves got paid. And not only did they get paid, they got paid white man's wages. So because of that, a lot of people were able to buy their way out of slavery uh, in Louisiana. And when they did that, under the French and Spanish system, uh, freed slaves, freemen, could had a lot of power. They could buy land, they could own businesses, um, and a lot of them were actually very successful. And um, also, 
the uh, the slave owners had to allow, because again, under the uh, this other system, the slave owners had to allow the slaves the freedom to practice their religion on the weekends. And so out of that came Congo Park, which is still in New Orleans to this day, where the slaves used to go on the weekends yeah. and, uh, and play the drums and have religious ceremonies. And be also because of that, that's how uh, voodoo was born. Uh, because voodoo is, the history of voodoo um, originates from the uh, Yoruba religion from in, West- In Benin. Yeah, from West Africa. So some of the uh, tenets of Catholicism were blended with Yoruba practices and uh, it became Voodoo, yeah. uh, Voodoo, which is still in practice in New Orleans today. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many people actually practice Voodoo down there. It's pretty prevalent. Yeah, I went, my first time going was in high school and we were in the French quarters and we walked past the Voodoo shop and it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was crazy. So I've been going to New Orleans since I was, since I was like, probably 14 and love New Orleans. It's one of the most unique places in the U.S. So unique. Not only that, and then the food is amazing. Oh, you walk into so Popeye's. all these different, right. Oh, that's right. Popeye's came from there. But you have all these different cultures that were in, actually encouraged to mix uh, before the Louisiana Purchase. So then after the Louisiana Purchase, what are they going to do? They're going to go in there. They're going to change everything. I mean, not really, because, you know, the people who were very powerful people there, you know, they're going to do what they still want to do. The thing that, that was changed was slavery. So then it became more of the chattel slavery that, you know, uh, the American chattel slavery. Um, and, of course, you know, rights uh, disappeared for cer- certain people. But the practices and, um, and the blending of cultures did not and it's still prevalent there you know to this day i mean the food i mean like the just the diversity uh uh you know the diversity of music i mean i mean it's in the music it's in the food jazz came from there yeah exactly and so from there after the originals i was able to take some of the things that i learned in new orleans to my interview for ncis new orleans and pitched some stories that were specific to new orleans at the time such as the removal of the the monuments. Uh, like one of the things that I, I learned on uh, some of those tours was the fact that New Orleans, under the French Quarter, there was a freeway. They started building a freeway to bring cars down to the French Quarter, and then they realized it was a really bad idea. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's below sea level already. Exactly. And then they kiboshed it. But there's actually still uh, remnants of the freeway that are actually there. And it's right at Harris. You'll see that the parking lot has traffic stripes. That's because that was the start of the extension of the freeway. Okay. Now, with the removal of the monument, were these Confederate monuments? There was a Robert E. Lee monument that was removed. Okay. When I first went there, I didn't know that the monuments were going to be removed. I just saw that certain monuments were wrapped in cotton and saran wrap, and then others were just ridiculously defaced. And I asked someone, why would somebody write on a statue like that? The person <laughs> looks around. This is a this is a this was a brother. As I asked him, he goes, you should go look. And when I went to look at the monument, it was a monument dedicated to white police officers who died in a riot 
that white police officers started when black officers were being brought on the force. They started a race riot and several of them died. It was really ridiculous. <laughs> but again, fortunately, it is now gone. Okay. Yeah, like New, yeah, New Orleans is a is a magical, it's a special place. I could even when I walked in a Popeye, I could smell a difference <laughs> from any other cities. <laughs> Or, you know, going to Cafe Dumont and getting your bag of beignets. And, and then the uh -huh. second line culture, did you get to learn about the second line culture? You know, there are so many, um, I, I did. However, I've learned uh, conflicting stories as to how second line started. I mean, I've, you know, you'll see with the second line, you'll see Girl Scouts with their cookies. I mean, everybody gets a second line in New Orleans these days. But I'm not exactly sure the actual actual origin of it because i've heard several several sort of conflicting origins mm. i've heard it originated in haiti mm. it's, it's, okay. it's rooted in the haitian culture is what i've always understood but now that you've heard some conflicting stories i'm curious to go like do some more research and talk to my friends that live in new orleans mm -hmm. and, and and see if they can ask their grandmama great grandmama right. find out like do some investigation <laughs> from all angles right exactly so you being a writer how have you been dealing with this pause the stay-at-home orders well the funny thing is um it was almost as if COVID was made for a broadcast TV writer schedule because we just finished our writer's room. We had finished breaking the, uh, the, the entirety of our season, um, which was season six, and we were done. So, but our production was to go until the end of April. Um, typically, we would start in the middle to the end of May to start the next season. So when COVID came down, I had just finished work. I went to space camp, just got back from space camp. Well, space camp. Space camp for adults, yes. I have always wanted to go to space camp since I was 10 years old. What? I always wanted to go to space camp. In Altadena? No, space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, but you know there's a NASA site in Altadena. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, propulsion, JPL. Yeah, JPL. Yeah, so the difference is JPL is about sending uh, rockets, items into space. Yeah, and the rovers. And the rovers, yeah. whereas yeah. Uh, NASA is sending bodies into space. So, so, okay. so yeah, so they, they have the same mission, but two different missions. So the same, but different. Yeah. Wow, you were in Huntsville, Alabama. My cousin went to A and M, Alabama A and M. So I've been down to Huntsville a few times. So tell, how was Space Camp? How did you like it down there? It was, it was everything that I wanted it to be when I was ten years old. When I was ten, I wanted to go to Space Camp, and uh, we didn't have any money. And uh, um, but you know, because I begged my parents, begged my parents, and they said, "Oh yeah, sorry, we just don't have the money this year. We don't have the money." So. I called Space Camp and I was like, um, excuse me, I, um, I'm calling because um, I have a scholarship from Space Camp and um, I got my letter from my scholarship, but it got wet and the ink has run. So I was hoping that you could send me another scholarship letter. And the lady on the phone was like, what? We don't, you know, we don't have no space. We don't have no scholarships to space camp. I was like, really? Because now I had done my research. I was really good at it. 
I did my research and everything. Like I knew everything there was to know about Space Camp. So I knew who uh, was running Space Camp at the time. So like the, the president or CEO or whatever of the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. You know, I knew all the details and the board and everything. I said, really? Because it's, it looks like it was signed by that person right here. And I see these, and it's on Space Camp letterhead with these board, board name members, you know, or uh, 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 yeah, the members of the board. Um, and she was like, what? She, so she, you said she this goes, as an adult? No, I did this as a kid. I was 10. Oh, as a kid. Okay, okay. You were hustling back. Okay, look at you, entrepreneur. I got you. Look, I, look, let me tell you. I am the queen of getting something for free. Like, my, my mission in life is to get something as close to free as possible. <laughs> I mean, that's why I was on The Amazing Race. Because I wanted to get it for I wanted to travel for free, me and my brother. Um, we, you know, I was like, oh my God, I saw the amazing race. I was like, oh my God, what, these are regular people racing around the world. They're traveling around the world. What is this showing? Why am I not on it? Wow. So I called my brother. I was like, I'm sending you this application, fill it out. Sent the video and my application in and we heard from them within two days and we got cast on the amazing race. This was before my writing career took off. Okay. So me and my brother are, we were Talisha and Tramiel, team TNT. On the Amazing Race, season three. Let them know, season three, alumni. Season three. <laughs> I wanted to uh, exactly because I wanted I wanted to travel for free. I didn't have any money, but I wanted to travel. I wasn't gonna let that stop me from my travel dreams. So uh, I got on the Amazing Race, um, and we raced, and um, we were eliminated second. So we didn't go very far. Okay, so where did you go? We and it's funny because um, during the interview process, they said. They said, where do you want to go? I said, I will go anywhere in the world. You can send me anywhere. I will go. I said, just don't send me to Mexico. And they said, why not Mexico? I said, because I live in LA. It's like going to Pomona. It's right there. Right. Send me someplace far, right? So we started in Miami. Where did we go? Mexico. <laughs> where were we eliminated? Mexico. Oh, I was so mad. Oh, I was so oh, mad. Oh, that's bogus. Oh, I was so mad. So we went to, when we were in Mexico, we went to Cancun. I think we were in Acapulco. And uh, we went to the pyramid. So we went to the pyramid of the sun. But we skydived. My brother got to swim with dolphins. Our disastrous race came to an end when we turned over our jet skis. It just ended up setting us back. And we ended up being eliminated people don't know is after people are eliminated on the amazing race, they can't go back home because, you know, then people know who did not win. So they sequester you somewhere along the race route. That year we were sequestered in Lisbon, Portugal. So I got my free trip anyway. I got three and a half blissful weeks in Lisbon, Portugal on the dime of CBS. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. So, (laughs) but look, we got to rewind. I want to hear the rest of this NASA hustle. Space camp. Space camp. So, so So the lady, she tells me, she goes, she's on the phone. She says, gassing her up. Hold on. Hold on for a second. She came back. She's like, all right, Talisha, we got your scholarship right here. Just let us know which week you want to (laughs) come. Hmm. Yes, I went back to my parents and I said, nah, nah, I got it. I got it. I got a scholarship to space camp. Now I can go. And they said, Talisha, 
we don't have the money to send you to space camp. It's like, oh man. All right. So I called the space camp people. I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, my parents don't have the money to send me there. So um, the, they said, that's okay. We'll keep your scholarship for next year. Right. So next year comes and same thing. So I called them. I'm now 11. I say, so um, I'm Talisha Rags. I'm calling to make sure my scholarship is still available. And they were like, yes, Talisha, we have your scholarship right here. And I was like, oh, yes. So I went back to my parents and like, hey, so they still have my scholarship. I could go to space camp this year. And they're like, Talisha, we don't have money to send you. So I was like, I was really disappointed. And uh, at the time, space camp was only for like 10 through 12. So I was really disappointed. So then the next year, I had to call the space camp people and be like, I'm sorry, I, they don't have money to send me there, but thank you so much. And they said, well, Talisha, you know what? Your scholarship is still here. Come back next year. So then I called them next year and I said, I'm Talisha. And uh, I was just wondering if you still have my scholarship. And they're like, yes, Talisha, we still have your scholarship to space camp right here. And we're also going to send you a bus ticket to bring you down. What? <laughs> Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Man, as, a, as a shorty, that's but cool. Here's when I have to be reminded that I'm black. You know, it's like sometimes your skin, your skin color will crush your dreams. So I went back to my parents and I was like, not only did they give me the scholarship, but they given me a bus ticket. So now I can go to space camp. And then my parents finally told me the real reason that they weren't sending me. They said, Talisha, we are not sending our 12-year-old black daughter down to Huntsville, Alabama by herself. It would be different if we had family there who could check on you or if, the, if there was a problem who could come get you right away. We can't go. Neither one of us can go with you and be there with you for a week. So we can't send you down there by yourself. It's Huffville, Alabama. Wow. It's like, it broke my heart. Comple it just completely, completely broke my heart. That's a huge reality check of where you are in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, I went to space camp, had the time of my life, right before I left Huntsville, Alabama, racism. <laughs> so adult space camp is, you know, over the weekend and space camp, they have dorms where the kids stay in, but they're loud. And you know, the adults stay there too, but they're loud, but they also have a, a hotel next door. So I decided to stay at the hotel. Did they still have your scholarship? No, I didn't. I mean, come on now. And and honestly, and I didn't ask because Oh, I mean, you should ask. No, no, no. In fact, I think I'm going to, but it's just been held up by COVID. I'm gonna start a scholarship there uh to pay for a kid to go every year. Um, because I had that much fun. And had I gone to space camp, maybe I'd be an astronaut. That was my plan at the time. It was not necessarily to be a TV writer at the time. It really was to be an astronaut. Um, had I gone to space camp, it, I very well could be an astronaut right now because, I mean, I had this the most incredible experience. It was everything I thought it would be. But anyway, so it's time to leave the hotel. And, you know, and plus, I got money. 
I'm staying in the hotel. I'm staying in the nice hotel with the nice sheets and the nice bed. I'm not going to sleep on a mattress that's this thick. So anyway, as I'm leaving, there was a sister that was working the front desk and they usually had shuttles that were going, um, going to the airport. In the three days that I was there at space camp, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, which was connected to space camp with, and is open to the public, it went from completely open and full on Friday to Saturday, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center being closed and it just being open to space campers to Sunday after graduation, space camp is closed for everyone, everyone. They just closed down. Right. So this hotel uh, really services Space Camp and the Rocket Center and uh, the military base that's right behind it. So they would run regular shuttles. So now that it's time to go, I'm looking to get this one of the, one of the shuttles. And the sister's like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but the shuttles are no longer running because everything is closing down. However, I can give you a voucher for uh, a cab. And I'm like, yeah, all right, that's cool. And so then she calls the cab and she's doing the money for the cab. And then her supervisor comes out and she's white. And the supervisor looks at me and she looks at the, the sister and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm writing a voucher for her for, for the cabs. And she's like, uh, no, we're, we're not doing any more vouchers. And the sister goes, we've been doing vouchers all day for everyone. It's like, well, we're not doing any more vouchers. And then the woman walks away. I said, it's okay. I can take a cab. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. So I'm sitting down and I'm waiting for the cab. And then the sister comes over to me and she's like, uh, ma'am, I just want to apologize for, for this because we've been doing vouchers all day for the cabs and I'm so embarrassed and I'm so sorry. And I stood up and I was like, don't even, I, I said, we both know what this is. She had a sigh of relief on her face. She knew I was from California. Um, and in her eyes, she's like, oh, Callie. But I mean, she almost had tears in her eyes. And I was like, you, you don't even, I say, why are you apologizing for her? You don't, you don't have to apologize for her to me. Are you kidding me? And she was just like, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, the entire time I had this fantastic experience at Space Camp. Fantastic. I was just like, one of the best experiences of my life. Tell me about one of them, because I'm curious. Like, how, what, what was something that you just, that you did that was just amazing? They have the zero gravity chair oh. and a moon, and a moon, uh, they, they call the moonshot. So they, you, you sit in the one sixth gravity chair and it's, it's like you're walking on the moon and you're practicing walking on the moon in the gravity chair because there's no gravity there's you know normal walking so you have to jump and come down and you know take another jump and then come down that Dang. was fantastic how did they oh simulate God, that was it was it a big space for you to oh yes it was, this was in a hangar um okay. this was in a hangar yeah so and and they had gigantic sticker of the moon so they yeah. had the moon sticker and then on the wall and everything like that i mean it was great it was great and then they you know they put you in your your uh put you in the your suit yeah and tie you down and everything like that. It was, it was funny. It was fun. It was fantastic. That's amazing how they manipulate the gravity to create that scenario, that simulation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that was a, uh, so many highlights, so many highlights. So there was that. There was the, um, the three-axis chair 
where you know where you spin on three axes oh okay and you're always you know sort of moving around and then you're trying to like just hold on and you know and 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 try to move your body and give it a little so that you can just sort of stay in the middle and not spin did you get nauseous no surprisingly so and here's the reason i didn't get nauseous is because the center is like right at the in the stomach area so even though you're flipping around your stomach's not really moving. So your stomach is sort of still, you know, your midsection is still in the oh, same okay. area moving around as opposed to like, you know, here, right. here, flipping, you know, like that kind of stuff. So that was great. And then we actually got to run missions where we were astronauts. I was in my astronaut suit. With the big um, round helmet. Suit, the big round white helmet with my big white space suit on. And we would run missions where we would be in the uh, Mars pods. And, you know, there were specific things we had to do, like hook up the oxygen tanks and the nitrogen tanks and all that kind of stuff. There was this other event, too, where, you know, one of the things that they show you is um, objects sort of repel heat. So we were creating heat shields, like for the space shuttle. There were heat shields on the bottom so that uh, the shuttle wouldn't burn up in re-entry. So those heat shields- So it was landing at like a 30 degree angle exactly. with the nose up? Exactly, so the, okay. the, so, and so the heat shields would help uh, disperse that heat so the shuttle wouldn't burn up, right? So then we learned how to make uh, heat shields and we would compete against different teams. It was a lot of fun. A lot of, you know, very educational too. I record, absolutely recommend it. If you ever had an interest in the space program, definitely do it. It's absolutely worthwhile. That's incredible. So are you ready for SpaceX to take the real trip? You know what? I'm just waiting for the call. Just waiting for him to call me. I'm on the list. <laughs> so what was uh, another experience you had that was memorable for you? So, so many experiences. I, you know, I've had good experiences and I've had bad experiences. Which, what do you want to hear? <laughs> it could be good or bad, but what was the one that, that experience that just sticks out the most? So one experience that sticks out for being surprising was in 2008, in October, right before actually the economy fell off the cliff when I was in Italy. I went to Italy with some friends of mine. And while we were there, you know, the world changed. It was, it was crazy. Like we're watching, you know, everything happening in the U.S. And we're just like, oh, my God, are we going to be able to get back there? While I was there, we went to several different places. We went to Rome, we went to Pisa, we went to Florence and Tuscany. Every place we went, the Colosseum, Circus Maximus, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. History, fantastic. Vatican, gorgeous. Every place there was some problem that someone was trying to correct us on. For example, me and a friend, we got on a a city bus and in getting on the city bus, you know, we have city buses here where when you get on the city bus, you get on and you pay right there. Well, there, that's not where you pay. And so we're there on the city bus, like trying to figure out where do you pay on the city bus? You know, and there were other tourists on this bus and we asked them like, uh, did you guys pay? They're like, "Mm, no. Like, okay, well, I guess, this is a non-paying thing. Great. So within a few stops, and she and I, my friend and I, uh, were the only black women on the bus. 
black people on the bus. So after a couple of stops, transit police or whatever, get on the bus. Immediately, they come over to us and said, where's your ticket? We're like, you don't have tickets. Where do you pay for a ticket? And then, you know, they're like, well, you don't have a ticket, so we're going to fine you. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Wow, that's an accusation. Right. Like, whoa, 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 wait. How are you going to find me when we're on this bus and there's no place to buy a ticket? You know, we asked where to buy a ticket and there's no place to buy a ticket. And then they said something like, oh, well, you had to buy a ticket at a depot or something like us, uh, something, some ridiculous something, right? But they came directly to us to say, where are your tickets? Other tourists are, with, are around us, didn't ask them anything, didn't speak to them, didn't look at them, just came directly beeline to us. So we're like, we didn't know that this was a paying bus. We certainly didn't know that you had to buy a ticket at a depot. You know, no one told us. But, you know, we're more than willing to pay for it now. And, um, and they're like, no, you have to pay the fine. How much is the fine? $40. $40? Yeah, exactly. $40. It, was, it boiled down to 40 U.S. And we're like, um, well, what if we don't pay it? Then it becomes a $300 fine. And then you can't come back into our country until you pay the fine and you go before a judge. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, all kinds of BS. And so we're like, fine. Here. And just, and just paid it. Next stop, they got off. Now, this is $40 total or each? No, $40 each. Oh, man, that's crazy. Right, exactly. Um, and, uh, I mean, and the rest of the week was pretty much the same. I mean, it was just incident after incident after incident of us being, I was with a group of Black women, and of us being singled out for different things and so then finally they left and I continued on on my own. I went to Vesuvius and I went to Pompeii and I had another experience there. There were no tour guides at Pompeii. Like, you know, Pompeii has a lot of, every door has like a symbol above it. Um, and I'm trying to understand what the symbols are. I'm trying to understand what the symbols are. I'm trying to understand what the rooms are, you know? And so there was a cruise tour going and the leader of that tour was actually talking about the symbols and the, what the rooms, I'm like, oh my God, this is perfect. Um, now this person was with a, you know, a crew. So I'm thinking, well, you know what? I can't pay her now, but I'm going to wait until the end of the tour. And I, you know, I had four euros cash to pay her at the end and be like, you know what? Your, your talk was so informative. You know, thank you very much. I, I was looking for a tour. I, you know, there were no tours here, but before that could happen, she thought she would embarrass me by saying things like, and certain people think that I don't know who's a member of my group and who's not. As she would go to the next and she would explain, you know, oh, well, this room is for this. And let's continue on because certain people don't think that I know who's in my group and who's not oh, in my group. that's rude. I mean, and it's just great, rude. And I'm just like, really, really? <sighs> Fine. Eventually, I just left because I was, I'm thinking, you know what? later for this, later for this country, it's getting on my nerves. I go to, um, at the end of the, the, um, the day, I'm in a restaurant, uh, they're still at um, Vesuvius, which is the um, volcano where uh, that uh, erupted and covered Pompeii. And um, I have to go to the restroom, and as I'm trying to find the restroom, I make a right turn right into what I think is the bathroom, but turns out to be the kitchen. Immediately, all of these guys, hey, I'm like, 
Oh, oh my God. Man. Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then one guy goes, see you. What? American? I'm like, yes, I'm American. He goes, Obama! The entire <laughs> kitchen cheers. Hey, we love you, Barack Obama! Hey, Barack Obama, we love you! Like, okay, thank you. I'll tell him next time I see him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that entire, you know, that entire trip, which was marred just by, you know, very uh, ugly reactions from people, you know, had a, it ended on a good note <laughs> with, because this was right when Obama was running for office. Okay, yeah. You know, October of 2008, and it ended up being a very memorable trip for that ending. And I got to at least leave the country of Italy with a smile. With a so, smile on your face. So it yeah. sounds like that <laughs> needs to be written into your next project, that experience. I know, right? I'll get I'll get around there someday. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of your next project, tell me what's coming up next. Well, right now I'm um, still working on NCIS New Orleans. Okay. We actually started the room for our season seven and it's, going to be very interesting. I mean, you know, because uh, we have a lot of limitations due to COVID as to what we can do and what we can write. And uh, it's going to be very interesting how we can, you know, direct actors, how we're going to be able to have people on set. But at the same time, it's actually kind of exciting because what's been proven throughout history is when restrictions have been put on people, on artists, artists always tend to find a way to make it even better or to make it resonate more or to, you know, figure out how to, to get around something and, uh, or like a censorship rule or, you know, some type of restriction in order to make it even better. So, and, uh, in terms of the other projects, I have other things that I'm working on, but unfortunately I can't really talk about them now. And it is going to be interesting with these new adjustments. Uh, yeah. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see. And, you know, people are, People are stir crazy. People are already get back to work. You know, it's um, but fortunately, you know, California is uh, is very proactive when it comes to protecting people. You know, just sort of trusting uh, trusting the leaders on that and making sure that whenever I'm out there and whenever my people are out there, that we also take our own precautions. You know, mask and social social distancing, all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, definitely looking forward to getting back to work. So on that day, that hopeful day, when we get the announcement that the pandemic is over, where is the first place you're going to travel to? Oh, don't think I'm not going to travel because there's a pandemic going on. I mean, I'm already looking at which countries are about to open so I can go right now. So oh, you about that life. Oh, I'm about that life. I'm about that life. I mean, especially with everything going on here. I'm like, mm mm. Uh, just, you know, tell me when the flights are coming back and I'm going to be there. Like, for example, there, I mean, there could, because there are countries that have, for all intents and purposes, eliminated the virus. So New Zealand has eliminated the virus. Iceland has eliminated the virus. Iceland is also a place I've been and it is wonderful. Wonderful. I, uh, it was actually also very unexpected because, you know, I went there thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be nothing but a sea of white people here. I mean, I, I, I hope I'm treated well. Um, yeah. And it's one of the warmest. They're some of the warmest people. I mean, are these supposed to be the Vikings. Wait, these are the mean ass Vikings. Oh, my God. First of all, a surprising number of black people. But I'm, I'm 
sure, probably mostly tourists because at the time that I went, or, or not at the time, but Iceland is a really great place to go if you're limited on funds um, because they have, because they're like, uh, they're the stopover country where if you're going to Europe and you're going over the Arctic, people stop in uh, Iceland first, you know, they'll stop it, stop at uh, Reykjavik and then from Iceland go to wherever they're going to go in Europe. And so a lot of people just sort of make it a two, three day stopover, which is great. I was surprised to see a good number of people of color, not just black, Asian, also Spanish, Latino, East Indian. I, I mean, I, I, was, I was actually really surprised at the diversity that I saw there. Again, it could have been for business and tourism because it is a, a small country of not a lot of people. It's like 400,000 people. People were fantastic. The Icelanders, they were absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, and they were very warm. They went out of their way to accommodate me in several instances. And the topography and their Icelandic horses, are, which are super cute because they're small but chunky and they're wild, but they'll come up to you and be like, hey, what's happening? Like, what? What is this? What's happening? I might go back to Iceland. Who knows? And wait it out. That's dope. I'm glad you uh, mentioned like you, you had this misconception with the the Vikings, because that's the important thing about traveling is you have these misconceptions or you have this perception of what the media Absolutely. tells you or a friend, but that it's important to travel and go see for yourself because you make the world a smaller place because you can take your experience back and you might have a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, I don't want to go to Iceland. There's a whole bunch of white people there and probably some mean Vikings. And you can say, well, I used to think that way. However, this was my experience when I went. So that's why, you know, that's, that's the beauty of traveling. Um, in fact, I had another, uh, I had another really interesting experience uh, in Poland. Uh, another country, sea of white people. I was in Poland because I wanted to go to Auschwitz. I went to Krakow and also Warsaw. And also there was also a uh, religious relic there called uh, the Black Madonna. So we went to the Black Madonna and it's a, in a very small church, but the support around it is, is very big because thousands of people go through there a day, okay, to see that relic, right? So I'm now, I'm going to the restroom, la da dee, la da da, I'm in my stall, all right, I come out of the stall and they're like maybe about 15 little seven or eight year old white girls with a couple of Catholic nuns. <laughs> and as soon as yeah. I come out of the stall and these little white girls see me, they go, <gasps> You know, in Polish, I'm like, wait, like, what? what? <laughs> What's happening? I'm looking behind me, like, what are they you looking thought at? The camera's gonna come out. <laughs> right. I'm like, is this is this candy? What? You know? And I'm like, what are they looking? Oh wait, they're cheering for me. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't understand what they're saying. But you know, one of them goes like, I'm like, hey, high fives for everybody, high five, high five, and they all like, high five, high five, high five. High five. <laughs> They went hysterical over you. They were hysterical. It was so funny. And so then I went to my tour guide. I'm like, is there a reason little white girls would be cheering me in the bathroom? And my tour guide, who was originally from Romania, she just looks at me and she goes, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I hope you don't take offense. I'm like, take offense to what? And she goes, well, you know, we don't get a lot of black people here in Poland. They thought you were either someone famous or they thought you were just, they probably thought you were just really cool. 
because the only thing that they see is, you know, a black people is what they see on TV and the music that we have here. And I'm like, well, all those little girls, they have great taste. She goes, you know, I'm really embarrassed and I hope you don't take offense. I was like, no, I don't take offense. And let me tell you, they treated me better than I get treated in my own country. So no, there's no reason to take offense <laughs> at all. That was like another surprising thing because come to find out, so everywhere I went, I was in Eastern Europe. I went to um, the Czech Republic, Austria, Hungary, Slovenia, Germany, and ended in Austria. Everywhere I went, like if there were, was a mall or a store or whatever, you, every place, it was black music. It was R&B and hip hop. I was in the mall in Warsaw. It was all R&B and hip hop that was playing everywhere in Eastern Europe. So what's even more interesting is like 20, 25 years ago, the product that was exported, the black product or whatnot, we were portrayed as thugs, we were portrayed as you know, criminals or you know, whatever 30 years ago. But these little kids thought that I was cool because of the R&B that they hear there, because the hip hop that they hear there. But then also the movies and the TV shows that they see there actually have positive imagery of, you know, black Americans. So that was a that was an, an eye opening experience. That's awesome. I mean, I, I live for those moments because I'm always traveling the world looking for utopia as a black man, because, you know, we're not getting it in the States. And so that's why I never get tired of, of traveling the world just to have those moments where you just appreciate it just for who you are. And it's just something as simple as that has me in love with different cultures and traveling the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. So when you travel, what, what would you consider your travel spirit animal? Ooh, my travel spirit animal. So mine is a hummingbird. A hummingbird, why is that? Hummingbirds are very carefree. They're very playful and they, and they, and they move fast. Uh -huh. and, and then they're very fun and, and loving. And so that's why, you know, my spirit animal is a hummingbird. Everything is very, very easy breezy and I have a good time and I'm always moving all over the place. That's funny because uh, what immediately came to mind was a cougar because I'm always traveling and looking at what men are available. Hmm. <laughs> and they're usually younger. And women are fun, especially when you're overseas. Um, but okay. I think if I, if I had to pick one, it would probably be an eagle. An eagle. Only because I, I love to go from place to place. Like I just, I love to see new things. I, you know, if, I, if I'm in an area too long, I, I get antsy. I gotta get up and go, what's the new thing that I can see? What's the, you know, how far can I go and how much can I see? That's probably it. That is awesome. Well, I have enjoyed hearing your stories, learning about adult space camp. Oh my <laughs> gosh, like I've, I've been looking for a reason to go back to Huntsville. Now I have one. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Absolutely. And considering the current climate, I feel like the world is about to shower every African-American with love when we come visit. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, and then let people know where to find you. What's your social media? Ah, well, you know, you can find me on Twitter. Um, on Twitter under Talisha Rags, Raggedy with two R's and two G's. And Instagram, same thing, Raggedy, two R's and two G's. And then what channel does uh, NCIS New Orleans air? NCIS New Orleans airs on Sunday at 10 p.m. on CBS. All right, there you go. Thank you. You take care.
Have you ever thought about why airlines don't board from back to front? Well, if you plan on flying Delta or United, then you can find out how efficient this boarding process is. There have been scientific studies that show front to back boarding is more efficient. But with airlines thinking social distancing first and fewer people flying, back to front boarding is the new wave. According to Delta Airlines, back to front boarding will reduce the instances of a customer needing to pass by one another to reach their seat. We will have to wait and see if other airlines adapt this practice and it becomes permanent. But until then, that's the new normal. Your attention, please. Final boarding call for flight 105 to New Orleans. Thank you for escaping with me today. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and follow me on Instagram at Worldwide Nate. Who that? Internets, until next time, stay safe and adventure accordingly. This has been a 31 Dogwood and Tasty Shop Media production with production sound design by Wine Designs Media. Brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau.